Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of Craft Brood Sports Cincinnati style. <laughs> this is the show where we uh, we take a deep dive into the Cincinnati sports world. We try to figure out what's going on with these teams around here. Craft Root Sports Cincinnati style where our takes are just like the chili. Kind of runny. And you have to live here to enjoy it. <laughs> uh, I am Mike with me as always, Scott. Uh, Joe is behind the computer there. Uh, Scott, you're feeling really great this week, right? Yeah. You as a, as a Niners fan, you... The Niners come into Cincinnati, utterly destroy the Bengals, take away any hope that we had. Uh, every Everything we build up after week one, the Niners just come in and <laughs> rip it away. We'll get into that Bengals talk here in a little bit and let Scott gloat. I owe you a, a hypno shot. We made that bet last week, so I'll pay up on that one too once we get into the Bengals. Uh, we're going to talk Red's magic number and what they need to do. That We're close. We, it could It could happen this close to a 500 season. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, and I also want to talk about Suarez. Suarez being like the, the lone bright spot in this Reds organization this year. It's also um, the quietest that you'll ever see that number of home runs at. Insane. He's been completely overshadowed. In fact, somebody texted me and I thought, they typoed that. There's no way he's got that. <laughs> oh, he does that. Right. that many he really home does. Runs. Yeah. Like, quietest insane uh we're also going to talk some uc football peek ahead uh to the conference schedule that's coming up there's only one more out of conference game and then uc is going to be getting into their american schedule with ucf coming to town in a couple weeks here so we're going to look ahead to that one after we gloat about me winning and and correcting that uh, correctly picking that game against miami ohio Mm -hmm. Uh, but before we get into all that we want to remind you guys that craft root sports cincinnati style is brought to you by minuteman tickets Ladies and gentlemen, football is back, and there's only one spot you should be heading to get your college football or NFL tickets, and that's Minuteman tickets. We love Minuteman. They're Ohio guys. They're sports fans, and they're not going to screw you over like other ticketing places. And it's not just football either. They got it all. They got baseball. The Blue Jackets are coming back. They got hockey tickets, theater, rib cook-offs. It doesn't matter. Hit them up, MinutemanTickets.com, or give them a call, 614-943-3000, and avoid all of the fees. That's 614-943-3000. Tell them you heard about them right here on Craft Brood Sports Cincinnati Style. All right, man. Let's let's talk Bengals. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I... uh, Go ahead, Joe. Hit us with the uh, the music on this one while I get the hypno ready because 
<sighs> that I didn't go how I expected either. To be fair, not even close. Apparently the Niners. That's who. Um, yeah. Good lord, man! All right, so we come in after that Seattle game, and we had this hope, man. You just went to Seattle, lost by a point to a team that's got a, what seems like a fairly decent defense, and I realize they're not the same Seattle defense that they've always they're, been. They're a playoff contender, period. That's all right. you need to say about exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, okay, Dalton balls out. Like, the team didn't look terrible. And it's like, here we go. We got this. Well, then the you Niners. said they got it. I said that they would still lose, but I knew you didn't think it was going to be like this. Yeah, yeah, right. no, never. Well, and that's saw what I mean by we got this. I just mean like the team is on you. a good path. It's not the same old, same like, old. Because like, it is this year won't be as bad as we possibly thought. You know what I really <laughs> thought it was going to be? I really thought the Bengals this year were going to be what everybody thought the Reds were going to be uh, when they were talking about the Reds in the offseason. Where it's like this team is weird, but it's going to be interesting to watch because. I I mean maybe they're gonna do great maybe they maybe they'll surprise people maybe mm-hmm. they won't but it that's it that didn't happen like this this has sucked not even close all of the life out of the season and we're two weeks in <laughs> week two and it didn't even make it all the way through week two it was at halftime when people were like oh here we go I'm out um, just a, a pitiful performance you were there at the game what was it like because uh, it seemed by the end of that it seemed like there were a lot of Niners fans in that stadium uh truth be told. I've only been to one other NFL game in my life, and it was in 2012 when the Niners were here. Nice. And at that game, and that's when, you know, Harbaugh was in charge, uh, They uh, there was not nearly as many 49ers fans, which is what you would expect. It's not, not close. Right. I, I personally don't know too many 49ers fans. You know, I, I have a couple of friends here and there, but very scattered. It was red. <laughs> That's what it looked place. like on TV. And man. what I keep telling everybody, what I was telling everybody all week. At one point, I went to the concessions to to grab some food, and I was in a weird spot where I just I couldn't see any monitor, so I didn't know what was going on. It was one of those hurry up, let's get my food because this is ridiculous. I can't see the game right now where I'm standing, and something happens. And I just hear this roar from the crowd, and I'm like, oh, that's no good. That's probably something good for the, the Bengals. <laughs> and realized once I got over, oh, no, no, the, the Niners made a stop. It was Niners fans that were cheering. It God, sounded like terrible. And I thought, wow, that's that's really weird. So, yeah, there was so much red. And that's bizarre to see that after all the excitement from week one. You, right. Unless people sold those tickets beforehand, like which is very possible. Like Could before, have. They were just but like, my um, only thing is it's the home opener. For yeah. a new coach, no right. more Marvin. Like I figured, people would have just stuck it out no matter what. Like even if you were, you know, disillusioned by whatever, and just you know, I'm not in, but I've got these season tickets, and I'm just gonna ride it out. Like that, you wouldn't have sold them for the first game of a new era. So right. It was definitely shocking. Like if you told me this was the second home game, yeah, okay, people are like, ah, whatever. I'm checking out. This is gonna be more of the same. But the first home game after a close. Week one loss, like yeah, it was it was shocking. 
I did not see it coming. Enjoy that. Cheers, man. I just finished it because I poured it and I was like, I'm not putting that little bit left in the bottle. I'll just finish what we had left, (laughs) which then becomes an even bigger punishment because now I have to go buy more Hypno and that's never a good thing to do. So congrats to your Niners. Um, Yeah. But uh, while we're talking about it, I mean, it wasn't just the way that, uh, or it wasn't just the the score and this little, it was just the way that they did because the Niners in week one struggled to establish the run. There was no struggle in this game with the run. They were running the ball at will over 200 yards on the ground. That's what I couldn't figure in, out. In an era of the passing NFL, like nobody even runs the ball anymore. So the fact that they were able to do it for over 200 yards is insane. I, I could not believe how poor the defense looked when it came to the running game. Like it was like they weren't even there. I mean, it was yeah. paper thin defensive line. It, the Niners owned that, that, uh, line matchup it was unreal to me to see how like the i didn't know if it was a matchup thing or what but good lord it was like the scheme totally changed from week one to week two where all of a sudden everybody just forgot what happened and then how they handled things in the first week of the season i mean honestly the way that we kind of expected it just looking at it on paper if you flip these two scores it would have been much more in line with kind of what you thought. Everybody thought, oh, yeah, Seattle, got to go out there. That's a tough place to play. It's loud. Right. It's first game of a new regime. Like it, you know, just a lot of turnover that they'll get blown out and it won't be pretty. And then, you know, oh, hey, they'll come home and new coach. And, oh, you know, things look encouraging. So from that standpoint, I mean, I don't know what you wanted, I guess, if you're a Bengals fan from the sense of, you knew or you have to know or understand that this year was going to be – there was going to be a lot of growing pains. There's going to be games that happen like this. You know, uh, uh, the timing is odd, but in general, again, if you if you flip the two results, you know, it just it just makes you feel better going into week three, I guess, because the, the results were better. But I mean, Well, yeah, because in that case, you're seeing progress instead of a regression between the two weeks. Like if you if that's well, how it went, if me, you went out to Seattle and lost 41-17 and then came back home and lost to the Niners 21-20, people are going to be like, well, they got better. That's a good thing, right? But instead, it's like, but, what the hell happened? But in general, I mean, you, you look at it as they're not as good as they were in Seattle and they're not as bad as they were against San Francisco. This team is somewhere in between the two and that's still encouraging. So you think that's a lot of this is just like they're struggling to find that identity and find out what team they are. Well, for sure. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Zach Taylor's got to get his guys in there. He was given a not completely bare cover, but a, a pretty decently bear cupboard and we all know that you know this is either Andy Dalton's last year or close to it and most likely the last year just based on the fact that they can get out of his contract and not owe him anymore and if there's anybody within shouting distance they're probably going to try to draft him so I mean there's a lot of things that this year was just going to be a not throwaway year but a lot of let's see what we got yeah type year and so these games sure you it's weird to see after they played so well in the first game, but they were going to come. So it's surprisingly not... though, Dalton has been the one on the offense that has been impressive. Like yeah, Dalton's Andy looked Dalton better has looked than he's really ever good. looked. That first game, obviously a career game in the first game, right. uh, but the second one, he goes for over three hundred yards again. Uh, he had two touchdowns. There was the the one interception that he threw, but I mean that's going to happen. It's the well, NFL, and it's not his fault. I mean. 
the offensive line is giving him no help right. in this game. None. And not only that, there is, and I know you know you mentioned pass first NFL offense. You still have to have somewhat of a rushing attack. And this is now the and they second have none week. for and, uh, two games. We gave him the none. excuse of the first week of well, Joe Mixon was out, so right, okay, he got injured. Joe Mixon comes back in, carries the ball eleven times for seventeen yards. I think that again, when you're talking about surprising, didn't see the score being like that, didn't see a game injured. I didn't think that. They'd run all over the Niners, but I certainly didn't think that after Mixon coming back that it would be, oh, yeah, they completely shut it down. If I told you on the episode last week, if I said, hey, by the way, the Bengals are going to have 25 rushing yards in the game, would you have believed me? Because that's what they finished with, 25 yards on the ground. And and actually, to be perfectly honest with you, based on the way the week went prior, I would have been nervous, and that means – Oh my God, that means Andy Dalton's probably going to throw for 400 again. Like, that's what it would have meant. Like, okay, then they couldn't establish the run. So that must mean it was because they were passing all in. Like, that's not good. But yeah, no, I, it, it was a rough game all the way around. I mean, you you can't ask for anything more from, from Dalton. He, he gets sacked four times. Uh, he still completes over 50% of his passes. He looks like a different guy. Like this offense clearly suits Andy Dalton. He he's not the same Andy Dalton that we've seen his entire career. And then on top of that, you get you know these receivers who are stepping up big time with AJ Green being out. Tyler Boyd goes for 122 yards. Is in like 10 or 11 receptions. Yeah, yeah, and it's crazy. And then on top of that, we were worried that John Ross might take a step back after his breakout performance in, in week one. He balled out. He comes out in week two and goes for over 100 yards on four catches. Well, <laughs> like, to, to be fair, that one, the the longest catch where he had the still touchdown. Counts. Still oh, counts. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> but it was in garbage time against the backups. I, I mean, but still, still counts. for me and mostly for now in general Cincinnati fans, Hey, Eifert and John Ross, two weeks, made it out of the game healthy. Yeah, that's what you look for with those two names. So, And you know what? They moved the ball. I I actually thought, again, I didn't think that that the Niners would lose this game. But the score-wise, I thought about 20 to 17, 49ers. So the Bengals actually did what I thought they would do. they hit right. But they didn't, you know, they allowed double the points that I thought they would. And, you know... When you're looking at like kind of the numbers, Cincinnati didn't necessarily like play awful. It's that the 49ers played so much better right. that the, the Bengals ended up being one dimensional. And when that happens, like you're just kind of screwed. And the Niners scored the touchdown. Bengals came right back and drove down the field and, and made it 7 7. I was like, well, maybe we're going to have a shootout. That's maybe what this I was game hoping for. Gonna... I was like, this so is going to be so It won't so be a low scoring awesome. game. It's going to be, you know, 35 36 or something crazy like that. But then the Bengals just stopped scoring. Just Bengals. <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing was that San Francisco offensive line, your three of your top four tackler, tacklers are your safety, safety, and corner with oh, 11, God. 9, and 6. Yeah. And your linebacker led the team with 14 tackles. That's terrible, man. The best, the best lineman was Dunlap, who had six tackles, two by himself. That is so garbage. That's yeah. that's. Seriously... Well, I mean, when your secondary has that many tackles, then you know it was a long day. Like it just can't happen like that. I mean, the Niners ran for two hundred and fifty nine yards. I don't between three different guys, all of which the average Bengals fan couldn't name a single one of. 
Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah, because they were depleted. Their running back core was depleted coming into that game. As a matter of fact, when I was listening to uh, Jeff Wilson was signed off the practice squad this week to play in the game and score two touchdowns. Yeah, scores two touchdowns, (laughs) averages three three yards a carry. Thanks, man. Raheem Mostert is a uh, a special teams guy who was thrust into the backup role. He had a a huge run. And then, I mean, Brita, who, you know, fantasy football players know just because there's been one or two, but – He's a guy who went undrafted two years ago and, you know, is this very quietly one of the better running backs in the NFL. But, you know, again, not a household name. So if you're looking at it from a Bengals fan's perspective, the average fan who's not really paying attention to all that, you're like, oh, they got three guys at running back that I've never heard of. They should be able to key in on the run today and not have to worry about it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I was listening to a friend of the show, Matt Barr. He did fourth and he does fourth and gold podcast, which is a a Niners centric Mm -hmm. podcast. And. My takeaway from that was, well, the Niners aren't going to be able to run. So we just got to stop Garoppolo. We got to hope he has another one of those five interception games. And this could, we could totally lock this one down to that 24 21 pick that I had. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm like, who are these dudes? And how are they running rough shot on this team? Yeah. I... Awful. Um, so I guess looking forward, what do we take away from this game? Is this one of those games that it's like, all right, chalk it up to. It's a new coach. It's, uh, you know, whatever. It's growing pace. It's going to happen and move on and, and don't read too much into it. Or are Bengals fans supposed to look at this and go, now this season's going to really suck? Well, I, I just, I, I really think that, again, what the team is is somewhere in between these two games. Not, not as bad, not as good, but it, there's not much you can glean out of just two, two games this early in the season with no A.J. Green and just the way things are. This Buffalo game coming up this week is an interesting test because Buffalo's 2-0, and but, you know, who ever really believes in Buffalo and how good are they? They won two road games, so, you know, but, I mean, they're a little Their bit better. Their tailgates are going to be lit. Yeah, that's, that's I know sure. that. I mean, they got, yeah. well, they got Bill, us beat there. Bill's Mafia is undefeated every year, so. Miami's giving them a run for their money. That's true. Miami is, Bill's they're stepping really, their game up. They've never set up a strip club right in the park. <laughs> Then again, there's so much stripping of just regular people. That's true. That they don't need to. <laughs> they don't bother. Before but. we get into this Bills game, though, I want to backtrack real quick. Uh, Joe Mixon was quoted this week as saying some ridiculous things in the post-game press conference. Uh, he was around his locker, and Keenan Singleton from WCPO, friend of the show, he, he had tweeted this out where Joe Mixon basically said it was disappointing, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, uh, it was disappointing to see Fans leaving early and people booing. He was like, it's the second quarter and we got people booing. Uh, if you think you could do better, go try out for the team. I was so furious when I heard that quote. Like, <laughs> as soon as I heard that, I was like, first of all, man, you ran as a team for 25 yards. I'm not saying I could run for 25 yards against an NFL defense, but I'm also not getting paid millions of dollars and that's my only job. Right. I'm not saying I could do any better, but I'm saying you should be better. Like you can't, you can't put out a performance like you put out and then tell fans, what are you booing us for? What are you, what are you talking about? Like, that's crazy to me. Well, when I heard it, it it immediately, cause I I read it before I heard the soundbite and I thought, oh, that's just totally him being frustrated at his performance. The fact that he got hurt in the first week and that he never was able to get going. But say that. Well, right. So he don't blame the fans. he, He definitely didn't direct his anger in the right spot but i also think that it was frustration from not being able to say 
well, if my offensive line could yeah. block yeah, for me. Yeah, that's true. You can't really blame it on the line either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so let's, it's let's kind kick of the fans. Right, I was just gonna say it's kind of one of those things. He definitely shouldn't have done it. I would, I would ease up on <laughs> blaming the fans and telling them, hey, okay. And he did backpedal. You know, he went out and tweeted, oh, well, you know, as heat of the moment, but. Heat of the moment. <laughs> I, I do think that he should have he should have walked that one back a little further and then it's like next time, don't be in such a quick rush to blame the fans. I mean, I get it. I understand it's week two and you got people leaving early. Sure. But it's also a complete blowout in some of the hottest weather that I've ever seen. Like it's it was what? 95 degrees on Sunday? Uh, on the field, I heard that it was uh, 100. The heat index was yeah, over 100. Yeah, I heard them say wow. that on uh, on on uh, Flying Pigskin. Yeah, so it was it was very hot on there. But So you can't blame the fans for bailing. But uh, as Joe mentioned earlier this week, they're, they're not necessarily bailing the one game. They're bailing the past few years right. of ineptitude. Right. So it's kind of just a, wow, we've seen this before and here we go again type. Yeah. Blewing. Well, so now we move on to Buffalo. Uh, where ESPN's predictor is giving the Bengals a 32% chance of winning this game. Uh, I'm kind of shocked by that because Buffalo just seems like one of those teams that even when it looks like they're going to be good, they end up being trash anyways. Like they're, they're never a team that really scares me in any way. And no. I know they're two and O to start the year. And I, I understand that, but I feel like that's a, that's an inflated record that does. It's not a true Buffalo test uh, of who they are. Well, I mean, they've played the crap giants and the crap jets so far this day. So again, they who really did, knows what Buffalo they is. did force the giants to get rid of Eli Manning. That's, that's true. <laughs> like, Buffalo has shelved Eli Manning. Uh, so there you go on that one. But yeah, they, and they struggled with the jets too. And granted week one, whatever, but right. Cleveland just went out and smacked the jets. Although Buffalo clearly well, did get the Jets in their third string quarter. Yeah, okay. I'm making but, all kinds of crazy comments. Buffalo here. is though another one of those teams that no matter what, like I don't think in our lifetime since you know they went to four straight Super Bowls, even in even when they were kind of good, a few years snuck in there in the Eric Molds days where they were ever a dominantly good team. They're always right. a team that's going to grind one out. So Cincinnati should be at least able to hang in this game until the fourth quarter. Like Buffalo's not going to run away with this one at any given point. I don't think so. We got to spread a six on this one. Did you have this one in, in the regular show? I did. I, and I picked the the bills because when you're talking about a spread of six, I think that the Bills should win by a touchdown. But again, that's not right. That's not running away with it, but I definitely could see the bills at the end scoring a touchdown, you know, within the last half of the fourth quarter that, you know, more or less seals it, and then Cincinnati's not able to... I think that's what's most frustrating now is uh, for the rest of the year, we have to just hope that the right Bengals team shows up. I think that's where Bengals fans are most upset after this Week 2 performance because it's like, now we don't know what we're getting week to week. If it was consistent, and it's like, okay, they're not that great, but they're consistent. Right. Cool. You, You know what you're getting. From week to week, but it's this weird, wild swings of, hey, they actually look good. Hey, now they're garbage. Where, what are they? Uh, and maybe that will settle out as the year goes. So, so this will be an interesting game to see how this, how this one plays out on the road again. Um, second road game in three weeks, which can't be fun, especially, but at least you're going to Buffalo now and not in. Better November and December. I was just going to say, better to do it when there's two feet of snow on the ground. Uh, so you, your prediction is that the uh, that the Bills win this one by at least a touchdown. Yeah, they'll find a way to pull it out by a touchdown. I feel like this is one where the Bills win, and I'm, I mean, I feel like I'm going to jinx it though, but I feel like they don't cover. 
How about how weird would it, would it be though if this ended up being where the Bengals seem to play better on the road because there's slightly less expectations? Like the the home crowd puts the expectations yeah. on one being on the road, and then maybe the 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 season they just play better on the road because they're loose and nobody expects them to win. I'm on board with them being road warriors this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, and that's not to say, oh well, they'll they'll win a lot of road games or anything, but just the fact that on the road they'll look more like a team that's watchable and that you're more proud of than at home necessarily, where they might struggle just because again, home fans. If they they they, they play, play a little tighter because they know the fans might start booing if they're not you know clicking on all cylinders and it doesn't take much for the fans to turn. So well, going in after this Bills game, they go to Pittsburgh. So I'd be great for a, a nice road performance there. So if this team is going to be a road warrior well, that's team, an interesting game now that Ben's on. Oh, that's going to be okay. The the AFC North is insane right now. <laughs> like right. it's all over the place. I have no idea where to go with the AFC North. So. Lamar Jackson continues the ball out, and people will again point to, well, they haven't played the best competition in Baltimore. But Lamar Jackson is looking legit. The Browns come out on Monday Night Football and look like the Browns that we thought they were going to be at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the season. Like week one was the anomaly, and this is what they were supposed to see. But then everybody backs it up with, well, Trevor Simeon was the backup, and he got hurt, and you're playing some guy that they pulled out of the stands, (laughs) quarterback. Uh, So there's really no you know credit given to the Browns there. And then the Steelers and the Bengals are both 0-2. Uh, I I could have seen the Bengals being 0-2 to start the season, but not the Steelers. And with Roethlisberger out for the rest of the season, this division is wide open, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pick em at this point right now. <laughs> I mean, obviously the leaders in the clubhouse are going to be the Ravens and the Browns, but you know, I, who knows how the rest of the season will play out, and you have no Dude, idea. Look at that point differential for the Ravens so far this year. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. What is that? 55-point difference that they've got <laughs> going on there? Unreal that that's what they are doing to teams. That's the team that scares me. Like, uh, I, this is one of the few times where I'm like, yeah, whatever, go into Pittsburgh. Who cares? Who's throwing the rock in Pittsburgh anyways? Like, I'm not sweating it because Roethlisberger is out. Cleveland, I'm scared of. Baltimore, I'm really scared of. Yeah. Uh, but good lord, man. Um, all right. So you got you got the Bills winning this one. Um, I I I think they do as well. All I'm looking for is just a decent performance. I think Bengals fans wouldn't be booing. They wouldn't be leaving early if the team at least shows consistency. Well, and that and that you know that's what I'm gonna continue to hammer home this season is that you look for wins from. Thank play you to, for rating me, and I appreciate it because <laughs> play. play uh, just, I mean, play to play, drive to drive. You know, possession to possession. You look for little victories here and there. Oh, hey, great! They look they looked pretty awesome on that last series. They moved the ball well. <laughs> oh, hey, they got defensive stops there, and maybe that they lose the game, but. You know, progress where, you know, it matters. Oh, hey, is is Tyler Boyd continuing to be, you know, good? Is is John Ross staying healthy right. and, and playing well? I we mean, got blown up, but Eifert still has both feet. Great. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you got to take the victories where you can get them and not, you know, focus slow, solely on the wins and loss column because otherwise, then, yeah, you're just going to be disappointed and pissed off. All, <laughs> all right. Well, let's switch gears here. Let's go from football to uh, our other lovable losers here in Cincinnati this year. And that would be my favorite Cincinnati Reds. Magic number down to two. <laughs> I 
That magic number again is to avoid 90 losses on the season. <laughs> All we got to do is win two more games and we're going to avoid 90 losses on the year. Uh, and if they go 10 and 0, if they win out 500 season, that's a W in my book. That'd be huge. Also, if they go 10 and 0, how amazing would that be? If they end the season 10 and 0 after starting the season, they went on like that nine game oh, yeah, losing streak. Yeah. So if they It'd end be it very with the poetic ten, bookend, yeah. oh, that'd be amazing. It ain't gonna happen. There's no way that they're gonna right. win ten in a row uh, to finish out the season. Well, you know that's that's one of those kiss of death things in baseball, where if for whatever reason, you know, it, it kind of happens sometimes in football too, where you get delusional into thinking, you know what, you know, next year we've got some pieces. Like we don't need to make that many changes in the off season. Uh, We're good to go. I mean, did you see? We rattle off the last ten to end the year, and it could be one of those fatal kiss of death things where you think the team's actually better than it is because of the recency bias. Like, oh, could, so, be, could be the worst thing to happen to so them. They play well down the stretch. You're telling me basically what I've done all year long, where it's like <laughs> we got some pieces here. Like this rotation <laughs> next year is gonna look pretty solid. <laughs> and you got and you got talking Otto, yourself you got into more Suarez in there. Uh, yeah. uh, O'Grady has been looking really good. He's gonna come up. Zenzel is is playing pretty well. Like I. I have rationalized that this team will be fairly decent next year, and, and what, for the most and Aristotle Aquafina has like come back down to earth, right? He stopped hitting home runs every every yeah, single inning. Yeah, Kino uh, definitely kind of came back to the to the real world. <laughs> Remembered that you don't hit home runs at that rate for your entire right. career. I was hoping. I was like, maybe this is the one time it does happen. <laughs> maybe this guy has it all figured out. <laughs> He never looked back as and he then, made the Hall of Fame and then the, for his rear. And then the pitchers were like, hey, by the way, thank you for this film. We got you now. Which is and inevitable. He, just, he became Pedro Serrano from Major League, <laughs> where just he can't hit anything anymore. Uh, yeah, Aquino is, is one of those players that has definitely come back to earth. But I do feel like, oh, he's 0 for 3 tonight with two strikeouts so far. Well, what's he, what is he at? Uh, his batting average. Oh, so he's down to 256. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not not doing too hot. But I do feel like there are, and I know you just made fun of the fans for saying this, but I do feel like there are pieces on this team that are bright spots looking ahead to next year. I think the rotation is solid. Sonny Gray has looked fantastic. The fact that he's going to be back is is great for this team. Luis Castillo obviously is one of those guys that is going to be a big name. Trevor Bauer, eh, you know, you, you get what you get out of him. Sometimes he's great. Sometimes he doesn't have any fingers because he was playing with his drone. Uh, <laughs> and then you get Disco as your fourth starter. That That is a solid four. Well, and Tyler Malley was once the top pitching prospect in the right. organization. And he's the number five fifth. guy. No, I mean, I think their rotation is for the first time at the very absolute least, you can say stable, and that's the first time in what, ten years maybe that you could look at the rotation and say that's about as stable as it gets. I mean, it's probably since the Quato, since the Cueto days, right? Well, yeah. And I'm saying, what was that? Like you were coming up on eight. Good lord, it has been that long. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's been like ten, twenty years, seven years like, ago. Good lord, it, it's been a while Ooh. since you were like, oh wow, this this rotation is stable. Not not even like, hey, great, but I mean, it has the potential to be pretty solid in the National League. Time really flies. When it does. <laughs> okay, but the, okay, so the rotation is good. The bullpen needs some shoring up. But that the Man, lineup. I feel like everybody in baseball needs bullpen shoring. Right. Up. That's why I don't feel That's that not bad even... about that. And I think as long as you still have Lorenzen and Garrett in that bullpen, you still have some decent arms in there. And the the lineup 
doesn't. And we said it at the beginning of the year. The lineup on paper didn't look bad. Like the lineup was. It was I like okay, it, these guys could make noise. I think they're all. I think they're a victim of the division that they play. I mean, they're just wow, they play in a division yeah. where the the teams are just that the, much the better Cubs, the and Cubs that much outs, more solid. Well, and the Cubs outspend them by like ninety million dollars. So of yeah. course the Cubs are going to be the, and the Brewers have you know MVP and Yelich right. and you know and then the Cardinals are these. Or the, somehow find a way every year, no matter what their situation is. Unreal that they are uh, going they really to be are. a 90-win I team. Mean, they really, I, I know they are the Steelers to the city, but they really are like the Steelers of baseball, where they every year you're like, well, the Cardinals got to have a, a down year, or they got to fall off, and nope. hey, Carpenter's retiring, and this guy's moving on, and this guy gets older, and somehow they still always find themselves yeah. in the thick of things or winning they the division. They just replace coaches, they do whatever, yeah. they don't care, and all of a sudden it's just... Where did they come from? What? Are you serious? And we talked about it on the regular show. They'll somehow make it to the World Series and win it all. Yeah. And nobody will be able to explain <laughs> why because nobody can name any Cardinals this year. But the one bright spot in this Reds lineup and the, the guy that I think the Reds need to hold on to as much as possible is Suarez. Eugenio Suarez has, you want to talk about quiet, that dude has made no noise this year and is among the league leaders in home runs. Uh, I, I think at last count, he's at 48, 47. Uh, thank you, Joe, for pulling that up. 47 home runs. Where did that come from? It's the quietest 47 home runs you will ever I mean, he hear. was. I know he was overshadowed by Pete Alonso because that was the name that everybody was bringing up because he's a rookie and he's he's dominating like this. But Suarez also has 101 RBIs on the team. I mean, how can you – like? In these days, obviously the ball is flying out, so it's like the 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 floor as far as home runs has moved up. It's not as impressive when sure. guys get to twenty anymore. That used to be kind of a number where you're lower end, like that's second like, baseman, and whatnot. I was going to say that's like a, a natural number now. Right, if you're yeah. not hitting twenty. It's like what is this guy doing? Yeah, I guess a replacement level guy. <laughs> but like also the ceiling, thanks to roids, has been moved down to where it's like, man, you had a. a, a could have a 50 home run season. That's super impressive. Like, even where home runs have exploded, getting to 50 is a huge deal. Right. And the fact that he's got 47, and before Sunday, when somebody texts me and asks me, how does Suarez have 40, 40, whatever he had at the time, I think 46, when they text me, um, I would have been like, excuse me? <laughs> he's got how many home runs? Hey, he's near the top of the leaderboard? How? <laughs> Yeah, he's only one behind Pete Alonso for the league. That's that's insane. insane that he is that high up. Because how many guys in the National League that you would you name just assuming that they were ahead? I mean, you know, I mean, I probably would have guessed Acuna was ahead of him. Yeah, Bellinger's in there who was leading the league. You know, I was probably there. would have guessed Yelich was ahead of him. Yelich, uh, Arenado in Colorado, just because you're like, oh, it's Colorado. He's got to have high number, high, high yeah. run total. I probably would have picked somebody from Chicago like Bryant. Harper, because he's a Harper. household name. Yep. Like, just a bunch of guys, and then they're like, nope, Suarez is ahead of them all. <laughs> and, oh, and a rookie, by the way, is ahead of all of them. Yeah, too. yeah, the rookie Go leads the league. <laughs> uh, uh, baseball, baby. And it's not even close. Uh, uh, Acuna's at 39. Suarez is that far ahead of Acuna. He's almost 10 home runs ahead of Acuna. But you wouldn't know. Based You'd have on the no way idea. Everything is done and covered. So Suarez is definitely a piece that, uh, you know, again, you made fun of, oh, there's pieces. But Suarez is a piece that you can build around. He is a guy that you keep here in the city and could be a bright spot moving forward in the next year. For sure. 
I mean, he's definitely the one that you're building. I, I said it back forever ago on the regular show when we did it. It was like the, the cornerstones are him and Castillo, and you're building around those two. Like that's if you're if you're stripping everything down to just you know the nubs, those would be the two that you say. All right, this is who our pitching staff's going to be around. Right. This is who we're going to build our lineup around, and then you go from there. So, you know, having those two pieces is pretty big. Um, what do you think out of the next ten? How do you think the Reds finish up? Mm, four and six. I'd be happy with four and six to finish out this season because you got games against the Mets, you got games against the Brewers. And then games against the Pirates to finish out the season. Uh, I think the bigger question is: Is there going to be a bench clearing brawl during that Pittsburgh there series? There better be like, oh, to close out the be. season. Are we going to get one more brouhaha? There better be. Uh, <laughs> if there isn't, I will riot. I'll f- I will fight somebody <laughs> just, from Pittsburgh. Just go down there and start swinging. <laughs> well, it's in Pittsburgh, so that'd be tough to do. Oh, is it? Oh, well, yeah. yeah, then yeah, road trip. All right, let's do it. We'll Craft Brood Sports <laughs> on the road. We're going to pick a fight. <laughs> I've already got my. I've got everything lined up. I'm just going to make fun of Crick and him uh, getting into a fight with Vasquez and breaking his hand. Uh, right? Vasquez. Turns out Crick is the. Uh, we're on Crick's uh, side in this one. <laughs> uh, okay, so the the Mets series, I'm nervous about. The Brewers series, I feel like they're going to be resting up. Uh, I don't think they're going to be too much. And then the Pirates is. The Pirates have had the Reds' numbers this year. Like that's a team that this is weird because the Pirates have been pretty awful. Dog, yeah, they've been dog crap, <laughs> and they like for some reason just have Cincinnati's numbers. So I would love to see a sweep to end the. If they swept to end the year, I'd be ecstatic. I'd be. I'd feel really good moving into next year, coming off a three game <laughs> sweep over the Pirates. You would. I would. I absolutely would. It's like it's like whenever you know Ohio State, Michigan, when it's like we could go. Oh, and or one in eleven. As long as we got that win against Michigan, that's all I really Which care about. I've always called as BS. No, no, neither fan base would be happy with it's that. It's not saving Harbaugh's job. Yeah. You go one in eleven, except you beat Ohio State. Uh, but let's talk some college football. Let's segue into UC football here, as UC coming off a big win over Miami of Ohio <laughs> that you called. <laughs> Huge win over Miami uh, over the weekend. That's for the what, what's the name of that bell? The victory bell? Yeah, the, the victory bell. Over that. Yeah. Um, no, and honestly, when I so I, I started watching this game late. I turned it on late, and when I flipped it on, it was ten nothing Miami, and I went, "Oh, I'm in trouble. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna lose this game. That is not gonna be good for me." Uh, and then you see just out of nowhere, they come in after halftime, turn it on. Chuck Martin's team turns into a Chuck Martin team that I thought they were going to be. And you <laughs> see totally pulls away in the second half. Um, uh, I guess starting in the second quarter, really, because uh, they ended up, they were up at halftime. Uh, and then the second half was unbelievable. After that third quarter, it was over. The, you can you can pretty much assume that, that it was done at that point. Um, UC ends up winning 35-13 over Miami. I didn't realize that that was Blaine Gabbert's brother. Blaine I, was just, I was, <laughs> was just the going to, shock of the game. I was just going to ask you, Gabbert, as in Blaine? Yeah, yeah, that's Blaine Gabbert's Blaine brother and Brett. <laughs> of course, it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, that kid was actually pretty impressive. He looked good in the first half, not too hot in the second half, but he did look pretty good in the first half. Uh, so that's why I was a little worried. I was like, "Oh crap, this is." <laughs> 
Miami's better than I thought they were going to be, uh, but UC totally pulls away. Now we go into a bye week coming up this week uh, to get ready. They, uh, UC plays at Marshall the week after that, and then UCF comes to town. That's going to be an 8 o'clock ESPN mm. game. Is that Thursday night? Or I don't think so. A... I think it's going to be a, a Saturday night okay. uh, Saturday night game. Mm, uh, interesting. Oh, it may not be. Friday night. Friday oh, night Friday lights. Friday night lights. Wow. I'm actually kind of okay with that. I, well, I mean, cool because with... of the... Doesn't the American do that a lot? They, just they say for the, for the, the nature of it, I was just going to say, I mean, they have the spotlight because of it. I mean, <laughs> there's not many Friday night games going on in college this time of year, so... Do you think, okay, in Cincinnati in particular, where it is so big on high school football, do you think that's a bad idea to have UC playing on a Friday night? Because I feel like most people here, if they if they have the choice between seeing UCF, which could be a top 10 team by the time they come to Cincinnati, coming into town, or, see or their, seeing their, their local St. X their play Moeller, yeah. yeah, they're going to be like, <laughs> you know what, uh, it's not going to end well for us. So I'm going to go watch St. X. Like, I think this could be a game similar Sadly, to the Bengals Niners game where there's going to be a lot of UCF fans in the stands over that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree because it's, it's really crazy on high school football here. So that would be an interesting poll or like a man on the street interview to ask people like, Hey, your, your team's playing a uh, high school matchup, and then there's this big UC game, which right. you'd rather go on. Where are you going to? Yeah, on Friday I'd be night. curious to see like what the consensus was. All right. Well, I think I have some work to do during the bye week. <laughs> uh, I'm, I may try to do this. I may seriously try yeah, to, to I mean, get this. It's a I'll, good question. I'll go downtown and just start asking people, are you a UC fan? Did you go to high school here? Great. Got right. a question for which you. Which would you rather? Would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> Sticking on, on brand. brand. <laughs> Uh, all right, so you see traveling at Marshall next. So let's not look ahead of Marshall, which this is a typical trap game. You're on the road. For sure. Um, and, you know, Marshall is not a pushover. ESPN predicting that UC is about a 53% chance to win this one. Uh, it's not a pushover by any means. And you have UCF coming to town the week after that, so you got guys looking ahead. I mean, we could save analysis for that game for next week on the show, but uh, real quick, looking at it, do you think they, they look ahead, or do you think Fickle is going to be uh, getting the guys disciplined enough to to focus on Marshall? I, I would hope that this season that they're focused, you know, just individual games at a time and not getting too far ahead for a UCF team. But, you know, I know it's a top-10 team, but... UC isn't at a, a spot just yet where they're able to overlook anybody. So, dude, that American that division is insane. So UC is in the same division as UCF and Temple, uh, and UCF is crushing teams. Yeah, the point differential that UCF has is absurd. I think they won their first game 60, uh, 62 62-0. Thank you, Joe, for pulling this up. Uh, 48-14 over Lane Kiffin. Uh, <laughs> and then they get Stanford at home and roll Stanford 45-27. And I was listening to our friends at Scout Team Radio who uh, they're on 12 on Sports Radio with us. Uh, they're from Orlando. They're UCF fans. They said that that game wasn't even – it wasn't even close. Like 45-27 mm-hmm. was – uh, that makes it seem closer than what this should have been. They scored 28 points in the first quarter? My Against God. Stanford. Here's what I'm wondering, though. When this happens, when, when a UCF – crushes a Stanford team like this. And Stanford isn't great this year, 
but they're also a pretty well-known name in the the college football world. Think about five years ago if you said <laughs> UCF is going right. to do this to Stanford. Well, first of all, you'd have been shocked. Like Stanford went to UCF. <laughs> right, right. That's the <laughs> uh, but the the question then becomes: Does this hurt non-power five teams? Because I feel like whenever a non-power five team pulls out a big win against a power five school, all it does is make other power five schools be like, nope, don't want to play them. Screw it. Uh, why would we risk it? Because now we're at the point where these non-power five teams can do it. Right. So now you, you're you going to – and it gives all the talking heads credit to be like, they don't deserve to be in the playoff. Look at their schedule. Look at their schedule. Look at their schedule. So if you – like it's, it's a catch-22. You got to build up your schedule – and then you beat a team like this, and then other teams don't want to play you because you've beat other Power 5 yeah. teams. And it's like, damn, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> well, and in, in this case, too, like when they scheduled this, they weren't thinking you know, Stanford would be not that great. So it's right. like when you schedule it, oh, this is a big get. And then by the end of this year, when we'll look back on it and be like, oh, yeah, that wasn't that big of a deal that they beat Stanford like that. I mean, you know, it's the Pac-12, and they're always kind of crappy. Right. Stanford's, Stanford's down. down this year, yeah. yeah sure. So it's just like you, you really are in a no-win situation when you're a team like UCF where it's like no matter what you do, they're going to find a way to discredit it. Does UC have any chance at the American Conference Knowing that Temple and UCF are in their conference, and Temple is overlooked, and it's because UCF is crushing teams like they are. Uh, UCF has a point differential of almost a hundred points three <laughs> weeks so into this season in uh, football. In football, but Temple is no different. Temple is looking just as solid. Uh, they've got a point differential here. I, I can't do math in my head, but they're seventy-six to twenty-nine. Like that's amazing. Um, and what's kind of scary to me as I'm looking at numbers and, and point differential is one of those things that it's a stat that generally falls in like uh, people start to sort themselves by point differential. Right. And what's scary about that is South Florida has a, a slightly better point differential than than you see currently. Um, nope. I read it wrong. Never mind. We're right in line. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good talk. <laughs> It's not because South Florida's offense is doing better. I read. But their defense is also crap. I read good. <laughs> uh, but UC also has played some better competition. They played Ohio State where UCF can't claim they played a team near Ohio State's caliber. Stanford was supposed to be that team, and they're yeah. not. They're nowhere I, near an Ohio State. I mean, I think if you're UC, you just feel good about where things have gone and are heading with Fickle. Like where you're like, all right. They may not be in the same class as UCF and Temple at the moment, but they're trending in the right direction. But that's the problem, because when you're a non-Power 5 team, when you're trending in the right direction, when you're doing well, that coach bolts. So it's oh, like, well, how long is Fickle <laughs> going to stay gonna here? Fickle going to be here for that long anyway. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. And then it's like, well, start from scratch, I guess. Right. Know, bring it all back. And, and Well, you just hope that he builds it up just enough so that the next coach that comes in, you know, doesn't Butch Jones it and, like, run it all into the ground. I mean, that's, that, that's your hope. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. hoping that just the next guy can carry the torch on and, like, the momentum still continues to build. You're not, you're not necessarily thinking, all right, well, we're going to become UCF overnight. But UCF, I mean, they, you know, took those steps and it was, you know, a process of building it up to where they are now where you're like, wow, they're, you know, they're getting, really getting hosed over every year for a chance at the, the playoffs. 
But, you know, just five or six years ago, where were they? Right. So, you know, that's the, that's all you hope for if you, you see is that the momentum just keeps going and they don't take this giant step back all the way. <laughs> Watch out for that mind. microphone. Right. Came out of nowhere. <laughs> Jumped right in front of me. What a jerk. <laughs> uh, well, we'll dig it more into UC. Uh, it's weird to have a, an off week this early in the season, but yeah. uh, it, it could prove costly. I wish it was flip-flopped. I wish they were going to Marshall, and then they have the bye week before playing UCF, but uh, I guess you take what you get on the, in this case. Right. Uh, before we close out the show here, just a little update. FC Cincinnati just lost to Atlanta tonight 2 nothing. Hmm. The first season woes continue. They are not good, man. They are really <laughs> not good. It is so rough to be a fan of that team. They are not good. Expansion um, Team City, the Golden Knights, they are not. <laughs> um, all right. Well, this has been a, a really fun edition of Craft yeah. uh, Sports Cincinnati style. Uh, stick around. Be sure to uh, share out the show, everybody. Subscribe, rate, review. Help us out. Uh, we're building an audience here. Like I, I'm starting to get people that are like, hey, that's kind of cool that you guys are focusing just on Cincinnati. Hey, hey we're like Luke Fickle. we got to build the program. And listen, unlike Luke Fickle, we're we not stay. bolting. We're staying. Gonna we're going to be here. You're so. stuck with us. <laughs> We promise to give you consistent shows, unlike what Zach Taylor is delivering for the Bengals. <laughs> and we are not going to be below 500 like you're seeing from the Reds. <laughs> Did I hit on all of it? We good? And we definitely won't tank like FC. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a tank. This yeah, is I was going to say, they're not trying. There's, we, we won't be naturally that bad. <laughs> even on our worst day, we won't be FC bad. So there's that. <laughs> well, thank you guys for tuning in, for listening. Uh, be sure to help us out and follow the show in between. Hit us up at Crafty Sports. You can follow Scott at Scotty K underscore junior. Follow me at Mike Burlon. Follow Joe at Joe Goalie four. Uh, if you guys have anything, any hot takes that you want to drop on us, hit us up on the drunk line, four, four, zero 37 drunk. You can text in as well. If you don't feel like leaving a message, uh, we were happy to uh, oblige you of your takes here on the show. So hit us up, connect with us, subscribe, rate, review. Thank you guys so much. Cheers. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.